0: If you want to be your true self, the region would be a beautiful, peaceful place to do that and find peace within you, be connected, not just to yourself, but also to place. I feel like the best place to do that is in the regions.
1: Aussies are relocating from capital cities to regional Australia in record numbers, We could give you all the stats about better house prices, all the jobs on offer and higher levels of happiness. But what's better than hearing from someone who's made the move themselves? Welcome to You Moved Where, the podcast where we interview everyday Aussies who've moved from the city to the country. I'm your host, Beck Bignall, a girl from regional Australia who moved to the city and then, you guessed it, back to regional Australia. This is You Moved Where. (laughs) have you ever driven the wrong way down a one-way street come on we've all been there and for marie dennis a Gubba woman from north queensland when she found herself among hectic city traffic she realized she needed to do a life u-turn and head back bush born in Ayr on juru country Marie headed to Big Smoke, Brisbane as an adult and seamlessly adapted to city life. However, her yearning for the salt water, stars and serenity helped her make the decision to move to Mackay. Having worked extensively with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities in the areas of support and healing, for Marie it's essential to be on Country, as it's the core of everything she does and who she is. The way Marie talks about the peace that can be sought when you leave the buildings and bright city lights is so inviting in this fast-paced, frenetic life that there really isn't any clearer way to understand the true value of life in the regions.
0: (laughs) Marie Dennis, you moved where? I moved from Ayr in North Queensland to Brisbane, Queensland, and then back to Mackay.
1: Can you describe Air for me and your experience growing up there?
0: Uh, so Air is is actually a little small town in uh, the Burdekin Shire, known as a sugar cane a little country town. It's literally a one main street town, <laughs> so you can blink and you can miss it if you're driving through it. Now it's approximately about eight thousand people living there but when I was living there growing up um, I feel like I want to say it was actually much less than that there's a few more people there now but nice little tight-knit community it was very safe growing up towns change and um, over time but um, I do like to go back and visit often. When did you leave for the
1: city and what was the decision that made you
0: leave the community of 8,000 people very little? (laughs) I left as an adult, mainly for work, but then, yeah, so for a career um, change to actually earn more money to look after my family. So we had a bit of a change in our family dynamic that needed me to go and get some full-time work that paid well. But I guess moving, making the bigger move to Brisbane was more about being closer to my brother and, and his son and, um being in the midst of some
1: family support, yeah. Because you'd spent so much time in the bush growing up, what was the transition like for you when you got to the city?
0: Um, I had to get used to the traffic. The traffic is probably one of the worst things. I still don't like to venture into Brisbane City as such. As it was when I moved to Brisbane, it was literally the sister city of Logan, which is just a little bit south. So where I could avoid it, I wouldn't go into the city. I literally drove down a one-way street the wrong way. <laughs> um, and that, that um, caused me so much anxiety and stress. And I don't know about you, but growing up in the country, it's just automatic that you learn to drive in a manual car. So yep. your first option is always a manual car. And then that was, I was like, I got to the city, I was like, no, I'm not driving a manual car here. (laughs) Like it was just, so I know know it sounds a little bit silly, but that was literally one of the main, the first things I changed was the car I was driving. (laughs) Yeah. Even when I go back, even when I visit now, I still don't like the traffic. In Mackay in the afternoon, there's like a um, traffic report. Say so the helicopter cruises around in <laughs> guy and the traffic report is literally like traffic is banked up on the street near McDonald's, you know, and there's like five cars. But, <laughs> but but when you're in Brisbane, like a traffic pilot back up is literally like a half an hour wait or extra to your timeline. It's, yeah, that was probably the biggest thing for me. But then on top of that, you know, just being... So far away from other family and country is very important to me. And um, being Aboriginal, I was actually really blessed that Air, also known as um, Juru country, that's a part of um, a, a bigger clan group. So our language group is Birugaba Nation, and Air is actually Juru and Yuru people moving north, then up into what some know as um, Bindle people but um, I never really thought about it too much until I left and um, that I was so blessed to have actually been born and raised on my traditional country you know and um, so moving away I then started to experience that yearning for needing to go home and that's you know that's when you actually start to realise the importance of staying connected to country and to family and to that you know just to place. That
1: yearning did take
0: you back to an area close by to
1: Mackay yeah. what ultimately drew you back there?
0: Mackay once again um, and it must be I, I feel like it's just a part of my my cultural obligation you know like to where I actually care and care for family look after family or do things for family I'm they've firstborn, uh, I'm the eldest of the grandchildren, so it's, and firstborn in my family, that automatically gives me a role within the family as the next caregiver beneath the parents. So um, I guess that's, that was a a main part. I moved back to help a a family member who um, was working in within the child safety space. Uh, So a lot of my work revolves around First Nations people, vulnerable at risk youth and women and families that have experienced domestic and family violence. So that brought me back to help out with working with a number of children that were in residential care and had been removed from their own country and their own family. So that took me to Mackay. Yeah.
1: You've talked about sort of what you do do for work. Career is obviously a big part of your story. What do
0: you do for work now and what is your job? I basically work for myself um, where I'm an independent consultant, mainly focusing on working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community and helping to develop projects and programs, do a lot of community engagement, community consultations. A lot of my work is grounded in the importance of connecting staying connected to country um, and using the elements and, you know, I guess the foundations of being First Nations and Indigenous people of caring for country first and foremost for then Mother Earth to actually care for us. So that's a lot of the work that I do and it's grounded around that.
1: And so speaking of those things, what resonates for you in terms of being back in the regions? What are the things that help you do the job that you do and yeah.
0: help you feel the way that you do? I feel like it's um, being back in region, in the region actually enables me to do the work a bit better. I mean not better, maybe just easier um, because you have direct access to country, a little bit Closer in a closer vicinity than you might do when you're actually in the city. So, you know, for example, you know, Mackay, you're literally, we literally have a big ocean or a river that goes straight through our main street. So there's nothing for us to just go down at lunchtime during the day and put the boat out into the river and, you know, go out on the water if you need to. But you're, you know, you've got salt water that's about 10 minutes away and then you've got fresh water that's literally like a 20-minute drive you know inland but then when you're in the city depending where you are actually and I mean where I was actually living it was literally a half an hour 45 minute drive to any salt water and probably about an hour drive to fresh water you know running fresh water that made it hard for me to do my job in the city you know um, connecting to country, but then I had to think about how I could do that better. So I'm really fortunate that being a Y-Apple work practitioner, which is actually an Earth mindfulness practice originally founded by um, a gentleman by the name of Jamie Thomas and a uh, female James, uh, Sarah Jones, it's grounded in the philosophies of First Nations people where we do earth mindfulness, narrative meditation and physical movement. So what I had actually incorporated then was more narrative meditation where we could visualize, use a visualisation of country, you know, where I can actually help people to visualise places on, you know, in a desert or near a beach and being able to remind them of the smells that may be there. Um, what they might hear in that space, you know. So I was fortunate that I could change the way I did work. But then when you're actually in the region, like you're the air's fresher for starters, you can literally plant your feet on either, you know, sand, grass, dirt, you know, like it's within minutes, you know, it's not a complete drive to go and do that.
1: It's such a nice image, the thought of like planting your feet on the ground and like really connecting like what you're saying and taking away those sort of cement concrete buildings that are built up around you when you're in the cities and direct connection with nature allows you to sort of, yeah, see as the seasons change and, Mm. you know, visualise what's around you. How does that impact you? In your day to day when you're on country and you can sort of immerse in that experience?
0: It actually helps my own well-being. You know, like it's we live in a world where most of us work in spaces that we have lived experience in. So for myself, like being in the space of, you know, working with women that have gone through domestic and family violence, that's it's no new thing for me. Um, So with that comes vicarious trauma. I'm personally getting triggered at times, you know, like by hearing other people's stories or um, being in particular environments. So being able to be so close to nature and to be able to practice that, actually practice what I teach other people, I guess, you know, like, so what I encourage other people to do, being in the region helps me to actually just do that completely and do that every day so my well-being you know I can actually continue to help other people because we literally can't help anyone else unless we're fit and we're able and that's not just physically fit that's mentally fit that's spiritually fit and we only get that from being connected and um connected to the earthly elements and you know, connected to those seasons and stuff like you were talking about. Part of the practice, I talk about um, being conscious of the seasons that we're in, summer, autumn, winter, spring. But when we're being, you know, um, Aboriginal culture actually attaches to more than just four seasons. So there's so much more depth to that. So we're conscious of when we're eating certain food, when it's actually meant to be growing, when it's, you know, when we shouldn't be eating something or it's important to be attached to that. But then, you know, we talk about the cycles of the moon and being a female, that's important for us to be conscious of too. And the, the moon is so much clearer in the region. So is the stars. And, you know, we can be more aware of that when you're in the concrete cities unless you actually make the effort to go out and, you know, into your yard or, you know, make space for that time to look up, you just actually miss it sometimes and you might be going a little bit crazy and you just don't know but um, it could just be the cycle of the moon at that point in time, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so true what you say, because I feel like when you're in the city, it sort of engulfs you, like it swallows you. It's a bit like when you're in those shopping centres and you lose complete track of the time. Like you don't even know, you know, you went in at the morning, but you're not sure what time it is. And yeah. then I totally agree with you. Like when you're in regional Australia, without even trying, like not necessarily even consciously, you just drop into that space of being more connected with nature and just noticing different things that you can be completely unaware of in Mm. a city environment, you know, that just naturally has that impact of you feeling sort of a bit like what you were saying about your feet on the ground. It just sort of brings you closer to earth again. And you just, I feel like you can feel that in how you operate. Like for Mm. me, my perspective comes less Highly strung around stuff that's like all these things that kind of intercept when I'm in the cities, like busy
0: anxieties
1: relating to work and all of that. And then you just get a better perspective because you kind of feel you kind of get a sense of your proximity and relation to nature. So you
0: you don't feel so
1: important. Mm -hmm. And that kind of helps release that a bit, I think.
0: You actually have time to appreciate that there's actually something bigger than you happening. Yeah, and you know you're just so tiny in this massive universe, and there's so many elements and things that are happening around you. When you were talking about the shops and stuff just then, I it made me think about well, you know, like in the city, everything's just open all the time. Like it doesn't even matter. It could be twelve o'clock at night, and you can literally just go to the shop and get something. But then in the region. That's just not the case, you know. Like, and I, I remember growing up that you had to make sure you had everything by midday on a Sunday, on a Saturday, even because there was nothing. The only thing that was open on a Sunday was the to Ten store, or you know, like the hardware <laughs> store, um, or the um, or the bakery, and that was literally only until about ten o'clock. You know, so it was you, you had to be more prepared, but it, it actually created space for downtime. And family time, you know, we've become so disconnected from not just ourselves, but from our family. And as human, you know, humans, we're actually, we actually need touch and we need comfort. and just to even sit and have a laugh with people. and that's something that my family consciously adopted um, being in the city. It was just, it's kind of just automatic in the region that we all had dinner together. We all did something together. Um, You know, especially like Sunday was football day. That was literally when you just went with everybody and you'd see half the town there because there was nothing else to do. You know, like (laughs) you had friends that were there all the time. But in the city, we had to make a conscious effort um, as a family network to say, okay, Sunday is our family dinner day, you know, like and there was, there's no devices, there's nothing, you know, like you've got to be. I think it's made you appreciate those times where there's everything's just shut down, like there's nothing, so you have to spend time with each other. Absolutely,
1: and also like it makes you innovate, doesn't it? Because if you can't get something, and I suppose it's probably better for the environment in that respect because you're not just on this cycle of consumption you like you said you have to be more prepared and Mm. sometimes you do have to go without and that's the you can't get to the bakery by 10 o'clock on Sunday morning (laughs) you just have to think of something else
0: well then you are bring out the flour in the cupboard and you actually have to remember how to make some damper or some bread yeah
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly because I you know some people in the city get into that kind of habit of just Uber eats all the time, even when they, they're caught out. But, like, I like mm-hmm. the idea that it kind of nudges you back into making or thinking outside the square because you have to. And you talked to the importance of sport within small communities.
0: Mm. Tell me about your experience with sport in regional Australia. So air, there was literally not much to do. So growing up, I reckon I played every sport that home had to offer. And it was just exciting, though, like, we'd, we'd be up... Playing, you'd go into training before school. You'd literally finish school, you'd go back for training, and then you'd have another sport to go to. You were connected with other people, you know. And I play, a, like, I play a sport named Vigoro that not a lot of people know. Played it since I was six years old, and when I came to Brisbane, there was there's literally just probably two associations that play it, and. It was a half an hour drive away from me and it didn't matter. I found, like, I was like, I need to go because that's, I didn't know what to do with my life if I didn't have Vigoro because that was something I'd had for so long. And in the small town, it was like you play, your mum plays, your nan plays, your auntie plays, your cousin plays, you know, like so you just see everybody. And when I, when I went to Brisbane, I missed it and I went and, um, found an association that played Vigoro and I guess it's even though it was a half an hour drive it still got me the fix that I needed which was sisterhood and you know being able to you know not just be physically active but just be a part of uh, an association and a community of itself that kind of fits within a bigger city you know if that makes sense you know like it's an association is not just a it's just a community of people that love the one sport. I know that my my brother he actually plays um, a lot of football, and when he moved down to Brisbane, he moved to play semi-professional fo- fo- football in the Brisbane League, and he's a little bit on an age, and um, but he just you know I always said to him as he was growing up, I said you just play the sport and that as long as you still love it and you enjoy it. The minute you stop doing that, well, then it's probably time to do something else. But he still loves it. He still enjoys it. So he's no longer in semi-professional, but he's actually joined a football club like an hour and a half away in the region. Um, But what he gets from that is that camaraderie, you know, like that small community town, it's it's so cute to see. Like my, my son actually loves to play with him too. It's like a family in itself. And we drive an hour and a half at times to go and just watch them. But it's so good to see like all of these people. I have no idea who they even are, but because it's such a small community, they love him. They even love my son. They're like, you know, and I'm like, they treat them like as if they're you know, superstars, but it's just because they feel like they're a big part of the family, and there's spectators that hug them, and they want to, they want to get a bit of their time, and it's just refreshing, and that kind of takes me back to growing up in air, where I watched my dad play, and we just travelled everywhere, but there was, you know, we we travel an hour just to go watch dad play which was a comp that was from the Burdick and, you know, like we'd go to Bowen or whatever and we'd go to Proserpine and people would, everyone still knew each other. It didn't matter if it was an hour or two hours away, everyone still knew each other and we just, all of us kids just used to, I don't even know how many games I actually watched, but, you know, like you just have like all your cousins travel too and all of these friends and you just play and it just took, it just takes me back to my childhood growing up, watching sport, watching my dad play sport. And so I think sport is actually a really big part in my life and my mental well-being. Even when I went to Mackay, um, I started playing indoor cricket again. You develop, like you actually become a part of another family and you build relationships with people and friendships and they last a lifetime. But the benefits of small town sport is that if you want to actually make a career of it or you want to, you know, exceed to next levels, then you don't have to travel very far and you actually have committed people and individuals that want to help you get through that and then you probably find that there's, you know, about three or four other people that will just pop down and help you train just because, you know, like because they can and it's just so close. And I think being in Macquarie, that was actually the first time since I was 17 that I actually had the opportunity to represent North Queensland for indoor cricket and then go on to be selected in a Queensland team for, you know, over 30s (laughs) Masters. There's no difference from the region to the cities, you know, like you still have opportunities like that.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I think Also, what you say about the commitment to sport is really ingrained culturally within the regions. And so, like you say, people are so willing to drive and the drive becomes part of the fun, like the road trip, the song, the food, like the banter, like it's all kind of part of that experience. It's not like, oh yeah, quick, just drop off, pick up. Marie, you're someone that I've always been inspired by, um, you know, the way that you think and the stories that you share. I met you through the Australian Rural Leadership Foundation a few years ago which was a great opportunity to connect mm-hmm. with people like yourself from your perspective what does leadership look like to you in the
0: regions firstly thank you or you make me feel very special it's um I, I live you know i do try i try to live my life by leading like walking by example you know like and actually leading in spaces acting with integrity and being true to myself but also true to community and my morals and values that I that have been instilled within me it's actually it actually warms my heart to know that there is other people that pay attention to that you know so i appreciate you that's the way i feel leadership needs to be you know that you walk the walk you talk the talk and For me, being an Aboriginal woman and connected to community and to, um, you know, trying to engage with, uh, even though Mackay is not my traditional country, there's still a responsibility for me to actually go and engage with community, connect where I can. And that's the same thing even when I go to the cities anyway because I'm literally on someone else's country. So I need to make that added effort to go and engage with the people of that that place and act in an appropriate way at all times. And in that then becomes, you're not just leading in your day-to-day work from a nine to five, you actually become a part of that community. So you need to be actively in that mindset of leading at all times, you know, like it's, wherever you go, whatever space you may be in. And so I think for me, I look to people that, you know, people, and then people that inspire me are the ones that lead exactly that way too, where they are true to themselves and their responsibilities and their values and morals at all times leadership is never about us as individuals. It's about, it's more about what we can do for other people, how we can give back to communities.
1: Something that you touched on as well is respecting and understanding country that you're on. This podcast is to provide people with some good tips and considerations if they are going to move, what advice would you have to people who are moving onto country that they're unfamiliar with or they don't know a lot about in regard to connecting with First Nations people and the First Nations histories when
0: they're on the ground? One of the, you know, I guess the first advice I can always give people is do your due diligence, you know, like and find out who that may be. Like if you're moving somewhere somewhere, Find out who those the First Nations people are of that land, and actually look at you know you can contact certain agencies and those sorts of things to actually engage with organisations or individuals when you go there. But it's always good to know have an idea before you go there, and it's always very respectful to find a, you know elders within the space. There's an expectation that you know they're our they're basically our leaders, they're the ones that have been living and working within that space. So especially like if we're engaging in work in a particular area, it's always good to connect where you can um, ensure that you're not overstepping, I guess, any boundaries or rules. You know, like so there's in some spaces there will actually be areas that women may not be able to go to. So getting your head around what that actually looks like. And then also, if you don't understand it, actually ask somebody. There's always, we're always open to having those conversations. And like I mentioned, you know, like I moved away from my own country and moved to someone else's country. And that actually is still relevant for me as an Aboriginal person. So moving to someone else's country means that I need to do the extra work as well to make sure that I'm connected to the right people, I'm actually acting in an appropriate way on country and that literally takes us back to, you know, since time immemorial that that's how we've always practised going into other people's country is letting them know what we're actually coming there for and ensuring that we care for country as if it's actually our own so and those practices need to be taken on by everybody regardless of wherever you are regardless of whatever race you may be that's as, as humans that's how innate responsibility is to care for country we can't be well unless you know mother earth or country as well wherever we might be so you know I guess that's that's my biggest thing is actually make the effort to find out a lot of people go to different towns and don't you know don't ask the questions don't actually engage with community and you know first nations people are the you know Australia's blessed that we're the oldest living culture in the world why wouldn't you want to you know and embrace that and be open to learning more and um there's nothing better than actually you know sitting around a table with some um older you know our first nations women and just having a cuppa and a bit of a yarn and you know I'm, I'm a bit I'm moving on in age now and I'm not an elder <laughs> I might have I might have wisdom highlights like one but um I'm not quite there and um I'm still learning, you know, like um, I love to learn the language of the people of the countries that I'm actually in and rebirthing, you know, helping people to just rebirth practices or engage or be a part of those is actually really fulfilling and it makes my heart smile when non-Indigenous, you know, non-Indigenous people are actually excited to be a part of that. We have a, a few different organisations that actually come in and um, be a part of, you know, some conversations around some of the work that we do with the women that have experienced domestic and family violence and Strong Women Talking is uh, an organisation that runs this beautiful healing journey program grounded in culture and for First Nations women. And one of the biggest things that brings connection and just opens people's eyes is our first, our initial time with women, we actually take them to do ceremony and we paint them up with ochre we get them with their feet in the water you know like and we actually um we've taken uh, uh, other you know non-indigenous women to experience that just to give them an insight as to how we do business and how we treat the women you know we get them grounded before we actually go through and do an educational program with them and the feedback that we have from those women, you know, they some have, some come back with tears, some, you know, but they're tears of joy and the feeling that they get. And it's just beautiful to see other people appreciate the things that we traditionally and culturally do on a regular basis. You know, like it's, we've been a part of rebirthing cultural practices within my own family and Bringing back, um, we most recently just had a shaving ceremony for my nephew, and it was one of the first ones since colonization back on my um, at one of my family's sides. But we um, had a lot of non black like first non Indigenous people come just to witness that on country, and they came up to me and they were like in tears later, and they were so moved by it. Um, they felt really silly because they were getting emotional like, and they were crying and they didn't even know my nephew from Bar of Soap but it was just the environment. they And I tried to explain to them that that's, you know, you're emotional because you felt that connection and it's the energy of the space. It's the beauty of the culture, you know, singing to country, um, caring for country, all of the energy in the in in that environment we create and it warms my heart to see other people appreciate that.
1: I think the way that you just described connection, it feels very tangible because connection is a word that is thrown around all over the place nowadays and it's genuine connection where the energy is the the palpable thing that you feel. It's not just a concept, it's something that's experienced that you've discussed and all of the things that you've related to us, there's a realness to them. And I think going back to that thing that we talked about at the beginning, when you're in a city environment, a lot of that reality tends to get taken out of your experience so that it becomes pretty one-dimensional, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're like sort of living vicariously through your phone or like <laughs> whatever, whereas when you take those kind of walls away I suppose Mm. like the infrastructure and everything and then you go back into that environment where like you talked about even the restorative nature of your connection to country that don't take more than you know Mm. than you need and giving back and having that be the focus Mm. it's just seems like a really simple concept but like we're so divorced from it when we're in the city because we've got so many distractions and we're so busy and caught up in those important lives of ours, like we discussed. Can you describe and paint a picture for
0: us of what Mackay is like? So Mackay is a I guess a small town that can get can get is in close proximity to the salt water. So you can literally wake up early, duck down to the beach and see the sunrise. There's a a beautiful little um, observation deck at one of the beaches where you can actually, um, there's like some binoculars so you can literally see some turtles and a little bit down the, like a 20-minute drive if you wanted some fresh water, you'd literally go up to Yungala and lay in the beautiful water and what actually is most beautiful about that space and I think probably for me is that all of those rivers actually connect to rivers that are within the Burdekin Shire. There's rivers that run off the Burdekin River that actually come all the way down to Mackay freshwater ways. You know, like it's just amazing to me. And I don't think that that's probably another symbol, you know, another way that everything is connected that we just don't realise. Drive down the road and you can run into anybody that you know. Um, everybody's friendly. Everybody waves, says hello. My partner gets a bit frustrated because I'm one of those people that I'll be like, morning, to someone that I don't even know. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then I, so then what that happens though is I actually get to know a lot of people through sport and through work and, I'll just pull up at the shopping centre and I'll just have, like, a half an hour yarn with someone that <laughs> I probably just saw at work. I, I feel like that's the, you know, that's Mackay. It's the space where you just, you can go down the road and you can see someone and have a have a chat, you know, like, but you know someone. It's not like you go in the city and, you know, you walk past about 20 different people and you never met them before, never even seen them before, you know, like so... I love that about Mackay is that you basically get to know everyone. Like they're your, you know, you've, you've seen them before. They're friendly, familiar faces. And then the friendships that you actually do build are actually, I feel like they've been life-lasting ones, you know. Like so even even when I moved from air you know, I, I grew up there though, but, you know, small towns, you don't even have to see them all the time to be able to reconnect with them. And I guess the the good thing about Mackay too, is that half of my, half of my you know, some of my friends and family from Air actually moved to Mackay because it's not that far away either. So, you know, you go to the local and you see someone that you used to live with or go to school with, you know, so it's, it's not 16 hour drive away or whatever, you know, like the city and the beauty of it is it's a small knit town, but you can, you have access to the beauty of nature right at your doorstep. And, you know, even when it comes to working, there's work opportunities that other people from the city fly in for, you know? So it's it's not that you need to go to the city to get work. There's People doing fly in, fly out to come to Mackay to work, you know? So do you
1: have like a specific memory that you can think about that made you realise that Mackay or living in Regional Australia is your home? Like any visceral kind of thing that you can think of a moment when you went, Yeah, this is where I feel mm.
0: like I belong. For me, going going back like driving into a town that I haven't been to for a long time, or if I've moved away, like I still literally get it now when I go back to air. Like if I drive, there's a certain point where I know I'm 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 basically home, you know, like the the air changes, the smell changes, and just the way that you're, you know. <laughs> I know I probably shouldn't do it but you put your arm out of the window to feel the breeze you know like it's just you wind the window down and you just smell home like it's freshness and then there's a sensation that goes through my body of release and just calm you know like it's there's no built-up anxiety like in the city it's Yeah, so that for me is why I know that that's where I'll you know where I'll probably where I'll probably retire. That'll be me. Um, But it's just that sense of calm and just peace that just fulfills my body and my heart and just makes me smile. Yeah,
1: Oh, I feel like (laughs) I just (laughs) instantly release because. It's almost like peace is the ultimate, isn't it? Like in this day and age when we've just got so many things competing with us Mm. all the time and we're operating at such a high level. It's like we fill our lives up with all these things, but ultimately all we want is that moment that you just beautifully described because it just feels so good to feel like that. (laughs) We are now going to bust a myth. (laughs) There is no dating scene in the regions.
0: oh oh my gosh I reckon it's probably easier to date in the regions like yeah no I reckon it's probably harder to date in a city like you're literally trying to find one person in thousands and thousands of um, you know (laughs) places and I I, you know like so I, I did meet somebody in the city but uh, connection didn't, you know, like nothing, it wasn't really concreted, you know, like it wasn't until they, they moved to Mackay.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, like. and I feel like that was the space where we had time to just connect to each other, you know, like there was, you know, you take away the the hustle and the bustle and just the fastness of life, but then you come to The read like you come to a small town and you've got no other choice but to get to know each other because that's all you got is time. I guess you know, like it's you know, there's there's beautiful spaces. I mean, I reckon there probably is beautiful spaces in the cities, but they're probably a long way away. You know, like but you could literally drive down to the river in Mackay and watch the fireworks. You know, like at a certain time, and it's just. A picnic by that, you know, by the by the river, is actually a little bit more romantic than I don't know going to the <laughs> going to a nightclub. That's, that's just probably <laughs> my in me, like <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that that's a bust that myth because <laughs> yeah, <I> was, <laughs> you you'll uh, it's easier, I reckon. But that's just me, you know, personally speaking. But
1: I feel like it's been busted, and <laughs> I have to say, Marie. You have done such a good job of dangling a carrot for the um, for the regions based on everything you've discussed today. So if you were to pitch Living Regionally, even though you've done a fantastic job of it so far, but in one sentence, what would you say?
0: Um, if you want to be your true self and or well, even find your true self, The region would be a beautiful, peaceful place to do that and find peace within you, be connected not just to yourself but also to place. I feel like the best place to do that is in the regions.
1: Marie, that is so beautiful and I feel like it's the perfect summary of a whole lot of things that we've talked about today that have got so much appeal. The way that you've talked about it has been extremely inspiring. So thank you so much for your perspective. Um, I think we're very lucky to have it and lucky to have people like you in communities all over Australia. So thank you for your time.
0: Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to hold space with you and actually voice the beauty of the regions and um, what it can actually do for you and what it has actually done for me.
1: Ware is made on the land of the Binjara people, with Marie Dennis joining us from the land of the Uifara people. We would like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land and pay respects to elders, past and present. This episode was produced by Grace Rubre, with audio production by Adair Shepherd and hosted by me, Beth Bignall. The You Move Where podcast is brought to you by Move To More and the Regional Australia Institute. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts because on the next week's episode, you'll hear stories like this. A lot of people suffer from imposter syndrome and it's almost been the people locally bolstering me up that have made me want to share and continue on this journey to now the point where I do really actually believe in myself and my abilities, whereas... Probably a year ago, it was just very much a hobby. Move to More is supported by the Australian Federal Government. And if you head to the website, movetomore.com.au, you can find a wealth of information that will help you make the move. At movetomore.com.au, you can search almost 2,000 regional towns and cities to find your favourite regional destination. And in the same place, find your dream home and job.